Welcome to the Albany Update with Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. Now, with this week's Albany Update, here's Jason McGuire. Thank you for joining this week's edition of the Albany Update. In Albany, Governor Kathy Hochul offered her inaugural, and unless she wins re-election in November, her only State of the State address. What will the governor's priorities be in the coming months? We'll discuss. And Mrs. Hochul wasn't the only one laying out her agenda, though. The State of the State address also serves as the unofficial start of the legislative session. The state Senate Republicans took the opportunity to lay out their Take Back New York agenda. And in today's program, we'll let you know what the GOP is proposing for the Empire State. Then, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, a Democrat, has announced that his office will no longer prosecute certain types of crimes. From our position, that will only encourage more lawlessness. Next, an intriguing piece of legislation was recently signed into law. It's poised to empower citizen advocates in New York. And frankly, we're a little surprised that legislators and the governor even allowed it. Stay tuned, and I'll fill you in on the details. And finally, we'd like to stick a pin in the pot proposals that localities were considering late last year. How many municipalities decided to opt out of marijuana shops and pot lounges in their communities? There's a lot to discuss today, so let's get started. On January 5th of 2022, Governor Kathy Hochul gave her first State of the State address. The 2022 State of the State address offers good news and bad news to Christian New Yorkers. The good news is that Governor Hochul generally avoided controversial or objectionable public policies. The bad news is that the governor offered few meaningful solutions to New York's problems. Regarding the COVID-19 pandemic, Governor Hochul bemoaned the dearth of healthcare workers in the state of New York. Strangely, the governor seems to have forgotten that she drove healthcare workers out of the workforce with her onerous COVID-19 vaccine mandate, which does not allow for even religious exemptions. The governor also showed no signs of retreating from the top-down, mandate-heavy approach she has used with regard to vaccinations and masks. On a positive note, Governor Hochul advocated for retention bonuses for healthcare and direct care workers. The governor also proposed to relax restrictions on allowing out-of-state physicians and nurses to practice in New York under their existing licenses and to train more students for healthcare-related jobs. Regarding education, Governor Hochul made vague statements about recruiting and retraining more teachers. She also proposed to send more mental health professionals into schools. Governor Hochul offered an accelerated tax cut to New York's families, along with a $1 billion middle-class property tax cut. The governor also proposes to increase access to child care, spending $75 million on wages for child care workers. The governor's economic development plans include $100 million in small business tax relief, a tax credit for COVID-related purchases such as outdoor seating and heaters, and allowing the sale of alcoholic beverages to go. Governor Hochul proposed a series of tax credits for farmers and various investments into downtown areas. Governor Hochul also proposed to focus on faculty recruitment and increasing enrollment at SUNY schools, and to make SUNY a national leader on equity. The governor announced a new Jails to Jobs initiative, as well as the restoration of the tuition assistance program for prison inmates, whom the governor referred to as incarcerated persons. 
Governor Hochul laid out a series of infrastructure plans and $500 million of expenditures on offshore wind energy. The governor wishes to make new construction zero emission by the year 2027. Governor Hochul acknowledged New York's rising crime, but offered little in the way of solutions. The governor proposes to help law enforcement agencies collaborate more effectively, to spend more money on gun tracing and community-based programs. The governor's response to homelessness involves creating teams of social workers and mental health professionals to work with homeless people and help them find housing. The governor announced a new plan to create and preserve 100,000 affordable homes over the next five years. She also proposed to change housing laws that constrict the supply of housing. The most promising part of the governor's speech had to do with clean government. Significantly, Governor Hochul announced that she will propose a constitutional amendment to limit statewide elected officials to two terms in office. In response to the scandal surrounding former Governor Andrew Cuomo's book project, the governor also wished to ban outside income for statewide elected officials. Finally, the governor proposed to replace New York's problematic Joint Commission on Public Ethics, or JCOPE, with a new ethics agency. The governor's term limits and JCOPE proposals are promising. Now, whenever a governor delivers a State of the State address, the administration also releases a print version. It's a book, in this case it was 273 pages, that goes into more detail than is provided in the public oral version of the State of the State address. This year's print version included some objectionable things regarding the Equal Rights Amendment, which really would just expand abortion in this state. There were some other objectionable language pieces regarding abortion and abortion access, as well as the terms gender equity rather than equality. And so there are some troubling things that are in the print version of the State of the State. But still, it is encouraging that the governor did not give a full-throated call for those things in her very limited half-hour oral address. We'll be watching to see what the governor's priorities are in the coming days, but this is a promising start to a new session. It could be that the governor is indeed looking to avoid controversy as we head into the first few months of this legislative session. Things will get thorny as we get into the budget months, and we'll know far more about the governor's goals in the weeks and months to come. Well, the governor wasn't the only one that had an agenda this week. On January 5th, the New York State Senate Republican Conference announced the release of Take Back New York, its legislative agenda for the 2022 legislative session. And Senate Republican leader Rob Ort, a North Tonawanda Republican, commented, From escalating taxes to blatant pro-criminal policies, and extreme government overreach, it's becoming harder than ever to live in our communities, something reflected in the growing exodus of our fellow New Yorkers. It's more vital than ever that we restore some sanity and common sense to our government. Take Back New York 2022 is the first step in accomplishing that and restoring our reputation as the Empire State. Well, Take Back New York 2022 offers proposals on quality of life, affordability, workforce development, business climate, protection of vulnerable persons, and government accountability. Some specific ideas advanced by the Senate GOP include ending cashless bail and allowing judges to remand dangerous defendants into custody, capping state spending, requiring legislative approval for any proposal to increase New Yorkers' electric bills, eliminating occupational licensing restrictions, opposing onerous mandates on farmers, 
lifting or eliminating the charter school cap, restoring admission testing in New York City's specialized high schools, preventing classrooms from being used for controversial social experiments, creating a joint commission on public transparency and sexual harassment, and increasing investments in the Nourish New York and Young Farmers initiatives. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms believes that much of the Senate Republicans' agenda would benefit the state. We encourage Governor Kathy Hochul and the Democratic leadership in both houses to work with the Senate GOP in a bipartisan fashion and attempt to find common ground with them on many of these initiatives. In going in an entirely different direction, on January 4th, newly elected Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, a Democrat, sent a memo to his staff to lay out new policies to be followed. Some of those policies involve declining to prosecute certain types of crimes. According to the New York Daily News, District Attorney Bragg's memo stated that resisting arrest, trespassing, and aggravated unlicensed operation of a motor vehicle should only be prosecuted if there are aggravating circumstances. Furthermore, defendants charged with armed robbery will be prosecuted for petty larceny, a misdemeanor, so long as those defendants did not create a genuine risk of physical harm. District Attorney Bragg stated that the immigration status of illegal immigrants will be taken into consideration before charges are filed against them. Finally, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office will no longer seek sentences of life in prison without parole in any case. These are only some of the instructions that District Attorney Bragg has given to a staff. He contends that declining to prosecute some lower-level crimes will keep the city safer by freeing up resources to focus on prosecuting more serious crimes. Armed robbery is not a serious crime? The district attorney's approach continues an unfortunate trend that the previous district attorney, Cy Vance, started. There are two serious concerns about District Attorney Bragg's memo. The first is that it is foolish and counterproductive. New York City has experienced a recent increase in violent crime, and contrary to the district attorney's assertion, refusing to punish crimes will only make it more likely that people will commit them. The second serious concern is that District Attorney Bragg is not a policymaker. It is his job to enforce the law, not to pick and choose which laws are worthy of enforcement or to substitute his judgment for that of the New York State Legislature. Americans have seen massive executive encroachments upon the authority of the legislative branch of government in recent years. This is just the most recent example. Then there's this. On December 28th, Governor Kathy Hochul signed Bill Senate 155 at Assembly 6267. The legislation will create a three-year pilot program that allows a greater level of public participation in the creation of new state regulations in New York. There are two key provisions of the new law. The first allows state agencies to use innovative approaches to seek public input into proposed regulations. Specifically, it allows state agencies to schedule hearings on evenings or weekends, to allow for roundtable discussions and question-and-answer sessions, and to use digital and other technologies in conducting hearings. The second key provision of the new law requires seven state agencies, the Departments of Education, Environmental Conservation, Health, Financial Services, Labor and Family Assistance, as well as the Workers' Compensation Board, to hold public hearings and proposed regulations 
upon receipt of timely petitions signed by 125 or more New York residents. The seven agencies must also give consideration to requests that a given hearing be held in a specific region of the state. The new legislation provides important tools to citizen advocates in New York. By including the Department of Health in the pilot program, the law will allow Christian New Yorkers to seek public hearings and proposed regulations that relate to COVID-19 mandates and abortion access. By giving agencies flexibility on the timing, location, and manner in which hearings are held, the law allows more New Yorkers to engage in the regulatory process. And finally today, under the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act, or MURDA, New York's cities, towns, and villages faced a December 31st deadline to opt out of allowing marijuana dispensaries, retail stores, or lounges, on-site marijuana consumption spaces, to open within their borders. While the Rockefeller Institute of Government is still in the process of compiling information on all municipalities, one thing is clear. More than half of New York's 1,520 municipalities opted out of allowing marijuana lounges. As of January 6th of this year, the Institute's website shows that 796 municipalities opted to ban lounges, while 701 opted not to allow dispensaries. Thank you for all who heeded our advice and spoke out to local elected officials regarding these matters. You made a difference regarding this issue in your community. You have been listening to the Albany Update, hosted by the Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms exists to influence legislation and legislators for the Lord Jesus Christ. To learn more about this ministry, issues you've heard on the program, or to make a financial contribution in support of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms, visit albanyupdate.com or call 585-225-2340. Additionally, you can mail correspondence to P.O. Box 107, Spencerport, New York, 14559. You can receive the latest legislative updates at facebook.com slash albanyupdate. Follow New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms on Twitter at Albany Update or sign up to receive the weekly Albany Update email by texting the word FREEDOM to 22828.